Blog Talk Radio. This is our common ground, alternative activists, empowerment, talk radio, speaking truth to ours and ourselves. Who are you? You don't know. Don't tell me Negro, that's nothing. What were you before the white man means you a Negro? And where were you? And what did you have? What was yours? What language did you speak then? As you honor our forefathers and foremothers, I urge you to honor our living heroes. When you honor the names of Matt Turner, Harriet Tubman, and Malcolm X, I urge you to honor the names of Geronimo Gijaga, Sundiata Akoli, Matulu Shakur, and Mumia Abu-Jamal. America's chickens are coming home to roost. Violence begets violence. Hatred begets hatred. And terrorism begets terrorism. Our common ground, speaking truth to power and ourselves. I'm Janice Graham, and I'll be listening for you. Thank you for being with us. Stay tuned. And good evening. Thank you so much for being with us here at Our Common Ground. I'm Janice Graham, your host, and our co-host tonight is Alpho of the Alpho Show, just damn good political talk on TruthWorks Network. Good evening, Alpho. Thank you for being with us. And for those of you out there who would like to join us in our chat room, which we make available, uh, you can come to blogtalkradio.com backslash OCG and join in the discussion of tonight's program. Uh, we've had a very eventful week, Alpho, both on the political circle as well as within our community. How you doing? You had a good show today. I, I very much enjoyed it. Oh, good evening, Janice, and thank you. Um, you're right. We've had a... I mean, it seems that every week gets a little crazier and a little crazy. Well, we can boil that down to it never stops. Never-ending story. This is what we're going to be doing tonight, uh, and we hope that you will write down our number and participate in our discussion. This is our common ground. We try to provide a sanctuary of discussion and talk for and about the black community. Um, We hope that you will support empowerment activists, uh, independent talk radio. Our number is one three four seven eight three eight nine eight five two. Tonight we are going to be looking at the significance of black music in black history and how it has been one of the bridges to break us safely across. 
And this week, we mourn fallen liberator warriors, Geronimo Jajaga, Albertina Sisulu, Brother Gil Scott Heron, and we also are going to take a look at uh, a fallen soldier, Abdidias do Nascimento. You may not be familiar with him, but we'll tell you something about him. We also are going to be looking at very closely the U.S. boycott of the World Conference on Racism and uh, getting your thoughts uh, about that. The conference is going to be held in New York City. And the U.S. has refused to join the U.N. World Conference on Global Racism. Um, and this is a repeat of their our non-participation uh, of that conference in 2009. And we'll give you information about how you can find out more information about all of the things that we are going to cover tonight, Fallen Warriors of Liberation, the significance of black music in our lives, as well as uh, taking a, um, we're, we're going to recommend two um, items for you for your reading for this uh, week after the show about Barack Obama and the betrayal of Black America, which is a very riveting um, article that we want to recommend to you. But we've got some announcements before we get started. We want you to know that Our Common Ground Communications, which is the executive producer of Our Common Ground, um, has a network, TruthWorks Network, Alpha, uh, hosts his show on TruthWorks Network Radio right here at Blog Talk Radio. And we're adding another show to that schedule. And I don't like to call them shows because these are programs. We're not entertainment. We're not even infotainment. We are information, truth-telling, truth-talking, repeating it until it becomes real in our lives education, the university in the air. And on TruthWorks Network on Wednesday night at 9 p.m., we are going to be welcoming Elvin Dowling and Architects of Change. He is an internationally acclaimed public speaker, mentor, author of License to Live, and America's leading advocate for achieving greatness by Embracing Change, and his program will premiere at TruthWorks Network on Wednesday night at 9 p.m. That's blogtalkradio.com, TruthWorks. He's a former chief of staff for the world's oldest and largest black Greek letter fraternity, Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity, with 150,000 members. And you can learn more about Elvin 
uh, who was recognized in, 19, in 2005 by Ebony Magazine as one of America's 30 leaders of the future and in 2007 as one of the top 40 under, uh, 40 under 40 by the Network Journal Magazine. I have known Elvin since he was a teenager in high school. Um, and um, his book, License to Live, A Manual for Getting Past Life's Roadblock, uh, is a wonderful, wonderful guideline. And if you have uh, teenagers, it would be a wonderful book to buy as a gift. He brings some deep personal experience to his message and audience at every level. He was born into poverty to an unwed teenage mother, and by age 19, he had lost two brothers and most of his cousins to gang and drug-related violence, and he brings those experiences to the TruthWorks Network with the architect of change, Elvin Dowling, and I hope that you will join him on Wednesday night at 9 p.m., the other thing I want to tell you about is Dr. Runoko Rashidi, who is one of America's foremost African historians and anthropologists, is going to be sponsoring on Friday, July 1st at 9 a.m. through July 3rd at 12 p.m., the Global African Presence Online Workshop. He will be covering early Asia and Europe, and to enroll, you can visit A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I-K-A-S-A dot com, Runoko, July 1st through July 3rd. African Presence in Africa at 9 p.m., Saturday, July 2nd, African Presence in Early Europe at 11 a.m., and Sunday, both workshops at 10 a.m. And um, this is a workshop. As a matter of fact, I am buying uh, a ticket. It will be held online, and I am buying a ticket for my granddaughter as a graduation uh, present, and we will be posting those links in our chat room um, I cannot tell you enough that the kind of training and teaching you will find in that workshop is what the Internet ought to be to us, and that is an opportunity to take sanctuary into expert learning and education. And I am so pleased uh, to see that. We are going to, Alpha, I'm telling you, that workshop, I'm going to be in the front row. You can't buy in any university that the kind of education that's going to come on that workshop. So are you with me? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) The other thing I do want to share with the audience tonight, that in our family, it's graduation week. Imani Janice, 
will be graduating from the Fenway Progressive School on Wednesday, June 8th. You all are invited. She is my 18-year-old granddaughter and the love, one of the loves of my life, and we are so proud of her. She's going to be entering um, George Washington, I'm sorry, Georgetown University in Washington, D.C. in September as uh, part of the freshman class of 2016. And we are so proud to her. She's listening tonight. I do, my dear, think that you could not have done more to bring happiness and pride and joy to this family, and we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your kindness. We thank you for the joy that you bring to us. We, You know, Alpha, I think sometimes families really have to learn to understand their blessings. Um, I look at my granddaughter at 18 years old, where we know all of the roadblocks, all of the problems, all of the issues that could have been part of her life by her own hand or by the hand of just the way the world works for black children. And she has yet to have stumbled or caused us, as they say, as my grandmother used to say, angst. No angst here. So I think that um, out there we want to invite you to look at your own blessings. And we're going to get started. Alpha, I'm so glad to have you with us. I know you're kind of talked out tonight, but uh, we're going to start doing this. And uh, we thank you for being with us. If you have a friend who needs and wants independent, informed talk, give them a call. Send them an email uh, and ask them to join you at our Common Ground tonight. We'll be here until midnight. Our number, 347-838-9852. And we're going to get going. We're going to start by taking a look at the fallen warriors of liberation. Well, I think you know there's no doubt when we were growing up that I think we all, any of us that had any kind of militancy or any ounce of resistance in us, we all identified with Geronimo and um, and so Geronimo Pratt uh, identified with him as well I, I can't remember at what point where he took that name up um, but I know as a re- direct result that we understood that Geronimo was a uh, was a was a a, a real Rebel. He was, you could say he was the Che Guevara of his time, as a matter of fact. That, you know, he refused to, uh, to be 
held down. He refused to be captured, and uh, we all identified very strongly with that. Tonight at Our Common Ground, Liberation Warriors Fallen, Liberation Songs Celebrated, Our Common Ground. Speaking truth to power and, and ourselves. Thank you for being with us. And we thank you for again for being with us. Uh, significant to all of us this week, the fall of four of our liberation warriors. I want to tell you a little about Albertina Sisulu, who died on June 2nd. She was a black South African anti-apartheid activist and the widow of fellow activist Walter Sizulu, who died in 2003. And she was affectionately known as Ma Sisulu throughout her lifetime by the South African public. In 2004, she was voted 57th in the SABC 3's Great South Africans. She died on June 2nd, 2011, in her home in Linden, Johannesburg, South Africa. Um, I think it's very important uh, for us to know about people who have made sacrifice for liberation uh, across the globe and especially within our own country. And I encourage all of you to know more about this woman. Um, I met her in Johannesburg uh, during the festivities and events of the inauguration of Nelson Mandela as president of South Africa. And uh, one of the things in going to a luncheon uh, for activist women that I remember her saying, and I tried to dig up the quotation or find it. I had written it down verbatim a long time ago, but um, I put it together like this. And this was in um, 1980, 90, and she wrote, Women are the people who are going to relieve us from all this oppression and depression. The rip boycott, speaking of the settlements that were established in 1987, is happening in Soweto, now is alive because of the women. It is the women who are on the street committees educating the people to stand up and protect each other. And when her husband went to go work full-time, Walter Sisulu, for the ANC, it was Albertina Sisulu who took on the responsibility of feeding and housing and clothing their families because the ANC was unable to pay 
Walter Sizulu, and she allowed that. So we honor and salute and mourn the death of Not Sike Lelo, Albertina Sizulu, born October 21st, 1918, and transitioned to the to the ancestors on June 2nd of this week. Another liberation warrior we want to make note of who passed and made his transition to the um, ancestors is Abdias do Nascimento. He's a famous Brazilian writer, scholar, and politician who was born on March 14, 1914, in the state of Sao Paulo, Brazil. He comes from a humble family. His mother, Josina, was a candy maker. And his father, Bimbim, was a musician and shoemaker. In the 1930s, rising nationalism, gradual industrialization and urbanization in Brazil led to political transformation, including the formation of a black press and the first Afro-Brazilian organized political movement, Frente Negra Brasileiro. After participating in the latter, Abdias found in 1944 Tetro Nacional do Negro, focusing on black identity and heritage in Brazil. In 1983, on a platform of promoting Afro-Brazilian rights, he served in the formation of the political party Martido Democrata, uh, which is a democratic labor party, and he was elected to Congress. He continued his work, and in 1999, he was the first to head the recently established Rio de Janeiro Department for Citizenship and Human Rights. He received in 2004 the presidential recognition as the greatest Brazilian political figure in the fight for black rights and against racism, prejudice, and discrimination. He saw and shaped the emergence of the modern black movement in Brazil, and his life was wholly dedicated to racial struggle in that country, his country. Abdias do Nas Cimento, the Malcolm X of Brazil. And we honor his transition and we certainly hope that the ancestors celebrate his coming. Two of the other fallen liberation warriors um, that we want to celebrate tonight, especially our own, Geronimo Gijaga. You might know him as Geronimo Pratt. He was a high-ranking member of the Black Panther Party. The Federal Bureau of Investigation targeted him in a COINTELPRO operation which aimed to neutralize Pratt as an effective Black, Party, Black Panther Party functionary. 
He was tried and convicted of the kidnap and murder of Caroline Olson in 1972 and spent 27 years in prison, eight of which were in solitary confinement. Jijaga was freed in 1997 when his conviction was vacated. He was working as a human rights activist up until the time of his death. Jijaga was also the godfather of the late rapper Tupac Shakur. He died of a heart attack in his adopted country of Tanzania on June 2, 2011. And I'll give you a personal note uh, later on about his work in Tanzania. Let's take a look at his life. Just like the city. For more than a quarter century, Black Panther Party member Geronimo Pratt said he was the victim of an FBI setup. He was convicted of a murder he insists he did not commit. A year ago, CBS News turned up evidence the key prosecution witness was a police informer, something the jury was never told. This doesn't necessarily mean that Pratt is innocent. It may mean that he did not get a fair trial. Today, Geronimo Pratt walked free on bail and talked to CBS News correspondent Jerry Bowen. After 25 years and five appeals, a victory for ex-Black Panther Geronimo Pratt today. Victory and freedom. The same law and order judge who overturned the ex-Black Panther's murder conviction last month heard arguments for his release on bail today. It was a court-appointed attorney named Johnny Cochran who lost the case 25 years ago. There's something kind of special about that number 25. I think this court could very well set this bail at $25,000. And finally, Pratt himself spoke right. to thank the judge for throwing out his conviction because the prosecution failed to disclose its chief witness all those years ago was a government informer. I just wanted to thank you from the bottom of my heart for your fair and courageous ruling. All right, so the bail will be set at $25,000. The legal system that kept him in jail for 27 years is something he didn't do cannot be justified by one judge having the guts to do the right thing. Pratt has always maintained his innocence, as he did again today in an exclusive interview with CBS News. No, my mother didn't raise a murderer. The last person I killed was in Vietnam. As you know, the district attorneys decided to appeal. Mm -hmm. Why do you think he made that decision? I think it's a face-saving facing, a, a face gesture. Um, I I would be the happiest person in probably the country if this case goes to a trial. This is what I've been wanting for years. We have the format, the basis to now call all the things that we did not know during trial to finally have a fair trial and expose the truth. What do you think of the justice system? From looking at it for the last 27 years, it's Everything from racist to classist to sexist to all, everything in between. Pratt and the Panthers were regarded as a threat to national security because of their armed militancy and black power message, a message Pratt says is still relevant to today's black youth. They're tired of being, like, dependent. They know I represent that, that we don't need anyone to give us any welfare, to give us any, anything. We can do it ourselves. The DA's appeal could hang over his head for a year, but for now, he's out. Geronimo Pratt is free. 
Jerry Bowen, CBS News, Santa Ana. Insist on calling you Geronimo Pratt. I have even fallen into that <laughs> trap of calling you Geronimo Pratt. Tell me what your name is, when you changed your name, why you changed your name, and why you think the media persists on calling you by Pratt. Well, I changed my name in 68 after I learned that <clears throat> this guy Pratt was a very evil person in Terrebonne, Paris. And so I did some checking, and I found that my some of my ancestors who had Creek blood, native Creek blood, had uh, cohabitated with some Jagas, the Jaga people from West Africa, who settled in the Chapalaya swamps. <clears throat> All throughout the Creek Nation, from the Everglades in Florida to the Chapalaya and Tom Bigby swamps. <clears throat> so I changed my name in 1968 to Geronimo G. Jaga, which means Geronimo of the Jaga Nation. Uh, then I, I did it again in 88. Because it seems like uh, the powers that be didn't like to recognize that they prefer you to use your slave name, similar to uh, Toby and uh, the Roots. Uh, mm -hmm. The series, yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. In which they told him, no, you Toby. He's trying to tell him I'm Kunta Kente. Names are very important to our historical personality. And we believe that by us having these bifurcated names, these alienating names, that it really causes schizophrenia. A, a certain kind of schizophrenic thing among our people that causes problems <clears throat> that uh, we can uh, resolve by just regaining our, like Amakal Cabral calls, our historical personality. And once we get one with our historical personality, we achieve that oneness that erases that uh, the tuneness that divides. Well, out of respect for you, we are going to change your name for the rest of this show. We are doing a one-hour special. I should tell you, for those who just tuned in, we're joined tonight by Geronimo Jajaga. I hope I remember to say that the rest of the show. Yes, uh, joins us tonight here in studio with us, Johnny Cochran, his co-counsel. In this case, joins us live from New York. We'll get to Johnny in just a second, but we are going to change Geronimo's name for the rest of this show out of respect for him. And now you know to call him Geronimo Jajaga when you see him in person. Having said that, let me ask you, Geronimo, whether or not you ever thought in 27 years in prison, eight years in solitary confinement, as Johnny Cochran has told us time and time again on this program, did you ever give up hope that you would ever be released? Well, <clears> that question's been asked to me a lot. I, you have to understand, I joined the movement with the knowledge that we were going to be killed, driven on the ground, run out of the country, or in prison. When you say the movement, you're talking now about the Black Panther movement for those who don't know the story. No, I'm not talking about talking the Black about Panther movement. That's okay. a big mistake that we make in history. All right. <clears throat> we reduce everything to the Panther Party. The Black Liberation Movement consisted of a wide, you know, uh, range of organizations who uh, participated and contributed to where we're at now. The, uh, our adversaries had a tendency to uh, just paint everything Panther. You know, if you were uh, Freedom of, uh, I mean, if you were FOI, Panthers did this. They weren't Panthers. If you were um, uh, RNA, Panthers did that. When it goes to the newspapers, we knew the difference. We were all brothers and loved each other. But when you allow your adversaries to write your history, then that's when we make the mistake. Why do you think that was done? Though? Why do you think that everything um, given, uh, reported by the media and other institutions and organizations were labeled as Panther activities? Why do you think that was done? It's an old rules, old technique that they use to lump everything together, to stereotype things in order to uh, dehumanize you uh, easier, in order to attack you. This, it happens in all struggles. 
that uh, when we allow our enemies to define our reality instead of defining it ourselves, we define it, but we didn't have to press, we didn't have the power to put it out, the true definition, so they, uh, like, overwhelmed us with this, and their uh, mistakes became truths. Okay, let's take a break here when we come back. Uh, and by the way, as I said earlier, we are going to spend a full one hour tonight with our special guest, Geronimo Jajaga. You know him as Geronimo Pratt. Uh, we're going to spend a full hour with Geronimo tonight and his co-counsel, Johnny Cochran, joins us live from New York. When we come back, I want to ask Johnny what got him so passionate about this case in the first place, why he took it on and why for 27 years he stayed with this case. For the full hour tonight, we'll take your phone calls. Stay with us. We're back on the other side of this point. What, in the first place, made you take this case on? Go back 27 years. Tell us why you took this case, why you were so passionate about it then, and why you stuck with this thing for 27 years. Well, Geronimo and I had met uh, in another trial, the, the so-called L.A. Panther shootout case, that at the time was the longest trial in L.A. history. We tried that case, I believe, in, in 1969 or so, uh, 69 or 70, and Geronimo and I, got to know each other. Uh, later on, I was appointed to represent him by Judge Kathleen Parker in the uh, so-called Santa Monica Tennis Court murders. And from the very beginning, I believe that Geronimo Pratt was innocent. He said he was innocent, and everything pointed to that. And so I believed in that. And, you know, we had a, one of the key things that really bound us early on was that Geronimo Pratt was real young, 20, 21 at the time. But he would always say to me, Cochran, they're out to get us. And I would say with skepticism, what are you talking about, they? Who, who are you talking about? What do you mean by that? And so, and I would accuse him of being paranoid in, in a kind of a joking way. But as the, as the time passed by, uh, I was this older lawyer. I was in my 20s, but I was older than he was. At any rate, he was right. They were out to get him. Uh, we couldn't put a name on it at the time, but he was a victim of the FBI's counterintelligence program. And so one of the things you do when you have a client that you really believe in, who is innocent, you believe he's innocent, and you, with all your heart you believe that, and we became not only a client lawyer, we became friends and we became brothers, you continue to fight. And through, with the help of Stuart Hanlon, a great amount of help from Stuart Hanlon, we got this information from the Freedom of Information Act from the FBI, which revealed that Geronimo was in fact right. He was a victim of the FBI uh, counterintelligence program, and they were out to get him. So we kind of kid each other now when I say he was right and I was wrong. And, you know, that experience made me a much better lawyer. It made me question the official view. But over the years, I remember the first time I went to see Geronimo Pratt um, after he was convicted in July of 1972. And I remember him saying to me, you know, don't forget me, Cochran. And I never did and I never would. And, um, you know, this was just a, a situation where we could not rest until he was free. And those who've read your book, Journey to Justice, know that you start out the preface of your book, spending the entire preface, quite frankly, talking about this case, and this is the case that meant the most to you, despite the fact that most of us know you because of the O.J. case. That's true. This is the most important case in my life, and the day that Geronimo Pratt was released from custody was the most important and satisfying victory of my, of my whole life. Let's take some phone calls. We have got to, a lot to talk to Geronimo Jajaga about tonight, but we'll start with our phone calls tonight in California. Molly, thanks for holding you on BET Talk. Hello, Tavis. Uh, Hello. Johnny Cochran and Geronimo Jajaga. Hello. Hello. How are you doing? All right. Congratulations to both of you. And I know tomorrow's O.J.'s birthday, Johnny, so congratulations. What a present for you. Okay. Uh, my comment to you is that both of you know that uh, we as grassroots organization and the grassroots organization, front page, talk radio, we have followed you for 27 years. How much 
did this help to get you released, Geronimo G. Jaga? And how helpful was it to you, Johnny Cochran? I'll listen to your comments off the air because the struggle continues. But always, to God be the glory. Molly, Thank thanks you. for your phone call. I think what she's asking, Geronimo, is how important was the media, the black media, in helping you get released? How important was the black media in getting the story and keeping it out there during the entire time you were incarcerated? I think it was very important, very essential um, for a lot of developments. I think I would have been murdered in prison quite a number of times if uh, uh, black media wouldn't have uh, come through. You believe that? Oh, sure. Yeah. But they also were targeted by COINTELPRO. This war, this secret war was very vicious, and uh, I think it was worthy of, of, of much more study than has been done thus far. Right. Let's talk to Debbie in North Carolina. Debbie, thanks for holding. You know, Dennis, as I listen to that, and as I listen to some of the uh, reasoning, as they, as some people would call it why this man spent 25 years of his life off the grid. And I say off the grid because of corruption from our government. And that's the only way you can, the only thing you, you can say about it. It's nothing less than corruption. And it's that kind of corruption that angers African-American people to this day because it's only after a life has been wasted for 25 years or taken away for 25 years that we begin to come to understand after the fact. Mm -hmm. Well, we certainly honor him. I, I think that one of the things that we have to understand that these are, this was a man who operated out of the spirit of Malcolm X, and 27 years in prison speaks to, as you say, Alpha, the corruption. COINTELPRO was a corrupt government operation put in place and signed off by every president of the United States, the, the secretary of uh, the, the, the attorney general's office, the secretary of, of every department that had anything to do with the funding of urban police departments and the training of urban de police departments. Let's go out to our phones uh, in memory of Geronimo Jujiga. 610, you're on the air. I respect you. Hello. Hello, uh, Brother Brock. Hello, Hotel. Brother Brock. Out Brother here Brock in Philadelphia, Philadelphia, PA. Uh, Brock. Basically, good day to you, yours, Brother Alpho, the callers, the chatters, and the um, link that you just listened, just played. Thankful for that. And I'm um, just a avid listener, so I'm soaking up the information. And I just hope I have as much uh, fortitude as Geronimo Pratt as well as the lawyer Cochran who stayed the course for so many years. So I'm just 
just hoping that my really? patience and virtue is the same. You, really? I mean, I'm glad you made that point, uh, Brother Brock. Johnny Cochran, if you look at the cases of Fred Hampton, if you look at the case of Kathleen Cleaver, if you look at the case of Angela Davis and the circumstances around the arrest and charges against O.J. Simpson, Johnny Cochran has always been on the job for black people. And we need to recognize that he was a liberation lawyer. He understood the injustices meted out in an unjust court system, prison system, and justice system. Thank you for making that point, and we're we're so glad uh, to have you with us. And one of the reasons that I, I really wanted to play and give people a sense of Jijaga Geronimo Jijaga, uh, is because we sometimes minimize the people who have been soldiers for us. This man spent 27 years in prison. Eight years of that was he was held and confined in solitary confinement. He was in the hole for eight years in one of the most monstrous prisons in this country. And the reason is, and one of the reasons that the the case had to be, the, the conviction had to be vacated was because it was proven without a doubt that he simply was a victim of a witch hunt by the federal justice system. And I'd like to give one comment before I hang up and uh, listen in the background on that. It seems like the politicians, and I say the politicians in general, so I guess I'm painting with a broad brush, but they're so scared or squeamish to to help fight the, for the for the oppressed. So when uh, Johnny Cochran stayed the course, do you know of any politicians that helped out the state of course who fought to to get that uh, sentence overturned, or did the politicians turn a blind eye? We have one here in Philadelphia who who stayed the course, and unfortunately he he passed away earlier. Uh, uh, Richards, um, Richardson, um, David, David P. Richardson, who was a state representative, and uh, he was for the people, by the people, and unfortunately he passed maybe in his, in his early 50s, uh, but he was probably the one of the lone politicians who fought for people. Unfortunately, he wasn't on the level of governor or, or, or senator, but as a state rep, all he could do and, and then some. So do you, are you familiar with any politicians who fought to free our Brother Pratt? No. <laughs> That's the answer. Uh, there was um, um, 
there was, of course, uh, another attorney after Johnny Cochran died. I mean, um, before Johnny Cochran died, um, and I can't think of his name, but one of the things I am uh, suggesting to all of you is to is to read the book, um, which I've posted in the the chat chat room, "Last Man Standing: The Tragedy and Triumph." Of Geronimo Pratt, and it's written by Jack Olson. Jijaga is his name, but of course uh, the government would not acknowledge his change of name. Brother Brock, thank you so much okay. for uh, joining us. And um, just mute, mute my mic so I can listen in the background, please. I certainly will. I'll just mute you. I'll make sure I'm doing it very carefully. <laughs> that was Brother Brock of Philadelphia, PA. Um, you know, you can't, I can't overestimate what a government is willing to do to maintain a system of suppression and oppression. And I think that we ought to look at our past and we ought to look at our present in terms of what people are willing to do. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to be honoring Gil Scott Heron, taking a look at his life since his birth on April 1, 1949. He's an American poet, musician, and author. We call him the bluesologist. He's known primarily for his late 1960s and early 1970s work as a bluesologist or a spoken word soul performer and his collaborative work with musician Brian Jackson. You're listening to Our Common Ground. I'm Janice Graham, and on board with me is Alpha of The Alpha Show. Thank you so much for being with us.
have we looked at looked into the eyes of evil, pure evil, and said to ourselves, what is this country coming to? What have these bigoted races, and I'll repeat it, bigoted races. Anybody wants to challenge me on that? Have that. Have that. Reload some Alpha, the Mo Alpha Show, on TruthWorks Network. More of the Alpha Show, 4 p.m., TruthWorks Network. And we want to thank you for being with us here at Our Common Ground. You know, it sounds, Alpha, it's, it may sound like I'm a little down tonight, Uh but, you know, I don't see any replacements coming in for these folks. Oh, no, you're not going to see replacements. What you are seeing is the... I mean, when you think about when you think about Geronimo Gijaga, when you think about Gil Scott Heron, when you think about Albertina Sizulu, um, and, and you think about all of these people who... Who, who made the sacrifice, the ultimate sacrifices for their families and for our people. You're not seeing that coming up anymore. Well, Janice, you have to take into consideration the selfish aspect. People are not, especially our people, they are not those who are invigorated, excited, motivated to give of their lives to have look at 25, 27 years of this man's life was taken away from him. And when we see story after story, you know, in a recent scenario, they, everybody was all, the, the wrong people were all bent out of shape over common. They say he was praising a cop killer. Well, just like our Geronimo Jadaga. They were wrong, and they just haven't been able to prove it yet. And while she is in exile, they vilify people who believe that she is innocent, just like they vilified the people that believe in Geronimo Tijaka. And this is the bottom line. When you have, don't have the media, and this is how important the war of the perception of the mind goes. Everybody's convinced she's guilty, just like everyone was convinced of Geronimo. And that's that's why African Americans see and view this system of white supremacy and this racism that we've experienced all of our lives in a different, you know, arena. This is a theater where you must experience it. And if you haven't experienced it, you must look at it as what it is. You must call it as it is. And that's what a lot of white people and a lot of people who are so willing to say you are un-American or you are for, you know, um, murderers or you are for cop killers. You know, these these people who are so pro-cops, you know, policemen are good generally. But there are quite a few bad in the bunch. And then you have that wall of silence, which creates a a system of of um, violence, a culture of violence, 
and um, and basic uh, lack of civility against the people who pay their salaries. You're listening to Our Common Ground. Our number is 347-838-9852. I'm Janice Graham, and on board with me tonight is Alpho of the Alpho Show. In 1970, the American poet and jazz musician Gil Scott Caring, who died this week at the age of 62 after returning from a trip to Europe, recorded a track that has come to be seen as a crucial forerunner of spoken word and rap. To many, it made him the godfather of the medium, though he was keen to view his song, like poetry, as just another strand in the diverse world of black music. The Revolution Will Not Be Televised came on his debut LP, Small Talk, at 125th and Lennox, a collection of proselytizing spoken word pieces set to a sparse, funky tableau of percussion. You remember it. I remember it. Scott Heron described himself as a black man dedicated to expression, expression of the joy and pride of blackness. He derided white America's complacency over inner-city Inequality with Mordant Wit and Social Observation. The revolution will not be right back after a message about a white tornado, white lightning, or white people. You will not have to worry about a dove in your bedroom, a tiger in your tank, or the giant in your toilet bowl. The revolution will not go better with Coke. The revolution will not fight germs that may cause bad breath. The revolution will put you in the driver's seat, he said. And here at Our Common Ground tonight, we honor the brilliance, the genius, and the tenacity of our brother, who is now our ancestor, Gil Scott Herring. Just like the city has stagger on the coastline And a nation that just can't stand much more Like the forest buried beneath the highway Never had a chance to grow Never had a chance to grow And now it's winter, winter in America, yes, and all of the hills have been killed, sent away, yeah, but the people know, the people know it's winter. Gil Scott Heron, who once famously warned the revolution will not be televised, has died in hospital in New York at the age of 62. He was known to be HIV positive and had struggled with drug addiction. Scott Heron wrote his landmark piece when he was just 18 years old and by the 1970s 
he'd become the voice of black protest culture. The revolution will not be televised. Poetry, percussion and politics. Gil Scott Heron calls it bluesology. It wasn't rap, something altogether more vulgar in his view, and he disliked being called its godfather. Born in Chicago in 1949, he grew up in racism, segregation, and the fight for basic civil rights. His most famous work, recorded when he was just 21, was a witty and scathing critique of the white mass media. You will not be able to lose yourself on Skag and skip out for beer during commercials because the revolution will not be televised. The revolution will not be televised. The revolution will not be brought to you by Xerox in four parts without commercial interruptions. His elegance with words should be no surprise. He wrote a novel and published poetry before having a hit and went to Lincoln University. His mother was a librarian. His father, the Jamaican footballer Gil Heron, who played for Celtic in the 50s. This was the one that Reagan was usually in. Through the 70s and 80s, he became a prodigy of the black left, releasing 13 albums in 12 years, although never quite achieving mainstream stardom. His music has always remained relevant. You know, the condition of black people has changed. You know, America's got a black president. So in certain respects, things have changed a lot. But in other ways, in sensibility, in the ways that black people feel about their status, their position culturally in America, I think many things have stayed the same. And so a song like The Revolution Will Not Be Televised is 40 years old, but it still sounds powerfully resonant today. This was the one that Reagan was usually in. The movie targeted Ronald Reagan, an America's shifting place in the world. Someone like John Wayne. But John Wayne was no longer available. A long, dry, unproductive period of his life followed, and drug addiction that saw him in and out of trouble with the law. He ended up in New York's Rikers Island prison in 2006. But it was there that he was reborn as a musician. Approached by a dance music producer, he started writing again and released I'm New Here just last year. I did not become someone different. That I did not want to be. Whatever he thought of today's artists, they clearly idolized him. The public enemy rapper Chuck D tweeted today, We do what we do and how we do because of you. I too sing America. I am the darker brother. They send me to eat in the kitchen when company comes. But I laugh and eat well and grow strong. Tomorrow, I'll be at the table when company comes. Nobody will dare say to me, eat in the kitchen then. Besides, they'll see how beautiful we are and be ashamed. I, too, am America. Gil, in my opinion, is, is one of the great, one of those great uh, black writers of the 20th century. You will not be able to stay home, brother. You will not be able to tune in, turn off, or cop out. He had that capacity, like Chuck D had later on, to, uh, you know, reach the masses, rock the boulevard. There will be no pictures of pigs shooting down brothers on the instant replay. There will be no pictures of pigs shooting down brothers on the instant replay. As far as I was concerned, he was the lone prince of the revolution. There will be no pictures of you and Willie May 
pushing that shopping cart down the block on the dead run. He represents the elder statesman and the man on the corner at the same time. The revolution will not be right back after a message about a white tornado, white lightning, or white people. So was he direct? Absolutely. Was he provocative? Absolutely. The revolution will not give your mouth sex appeal. The revolution will not make you five pounds thinner. He's managed to both create a legacy and, you know, still be this living, performing artist in spite of everything he's been through. This revolution is not a rerun, brothers. This revolution is live. Am I blue? Am I blue? Uh, I was born in Chicago in, in, on April Fool's Day, uh, April 1st, um, 1949. I come from a combination of a, of a black man from, from Jamaica and a black woman from, from Jackson, Tennessee. My mother and father were having problems getting along with each other and my mother was going to have to reorganize herself, re- re- relocate. She had my, my grandmother take me back to Tennessee with her. Uh, so I arrived in, in Jackson in, uh, late in 1950 and was there through 1962. My father was the first black player for Celtic, uh, probably the first black player in Scotland. They referred to him as the Black Arrow. He scored a goal, the first, goal, first, first game he played over there, I think that... Might have saved his life, ain't no telling. Could be a spoon full of diamonds. Could be a spoon full of gold. It was our grandparents that gave us the foundation in those days. Our grandparents were the people who been through it all, came from another country to this country, uh, uh, understood more than one way of living. I was a great... Uh, believer that, that that my grandmother knew everything, <laughs> and my grandmother was 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 fond of Langston Hughes. She used to to point out his column in the Weekly Black Paper. Gill was definitely a devotee of, of Langston Hughes's work, and particularly you know these short stories he wrote called the Jesse B. Simple. Jess is like a working class brother who's got all kind of issues and problems, you know, with his woman, with his job, with working, with money you know, his landlord, you know what I mean? They're just real slice-of-life stories. At that time, it was something that we, we appreciated because the, the least educated, the least respected, the least appreciated characters in those stories always came out on top. They call it stormy, my I come from the blues. I, I am a, a bluesologist, a bluesician. I come from that, that, that type, of, type of attitude. I come from Tennessee. If you're going to be brought up in the South, then you know that you got the blues right at your hip. B.B. King and to Bobby Blue Band and to, to Lightning Hopkins and to John Lee Hooker. In the world of, of Beale Street, you know, out of which the B.B. Kings and Howlin' Wolves and all those people came out of in the 50s, was really part of kind of a, a separate and, if not equal, um, self-sufficient, you know, African-American community of the 50s. My mother had 
been involved with the NAACP, National Association for the Advancement of Colored People. When that organization moved into Jackson, it, it, the, the, the primary purpose of it was to advance the educational process. Schools were segregated. Along with a guy named Gillard Glover and a girl named Madeline Walker, uh, uh, I was one of the three uh, who who integrated the school system in Jackson, Tennessee. aware of the fact that, that, that some changes need to be made. I, I, I learned that on the front porch at night when my grandmother and other people would talk about what the situations were and what needed to be done, that, that there were some inequities there and we were somehow to, on the lower end of it right through there and we were trying to do something about that. I, I learned that at, at, a, at a very early age. Someone who is who has seen the, the effects of, uh, of, of Jim Crow and, and, and suffers the, the scars of, of Jim Crow can write about it better than someone who hasn't. Alabama's got me so upset Tennessee made me lose my rest Everybody knows about Mississippi My grandmother died uh, 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 the night John Kennedy was elected. My mother moved back to Jackson, and then she made arrangements with her brother for us to move to to, to the Bronx in New York. They were building this uh, this new project, new low-income housing project in the uh, in the Chelsea neighborhood, which which had almost no blacks. It, it was it was a Puerto Rican and white neighborhood. I used to tell people that that, I, that my neighborhood was 85% Puerto Rican, 15% white folks, and me. <laughs> That's how it was. I come from 17th Street and that's on the other side of town. If you've ever heard the song 17th Street, that's probably the most accurate depiction of of um of, of what it was like in Chelsea at that time. Come from 17th Street and that's where the brothers don't mess around and I'm thinking about the music and we find out you can use it. Sounds of salsa music with Joe Baton and, and Joe Cuba and, and, and Tito Puente. In the summertime, the drums came out. The brothers would be jamming all night long. You know, a lot of people learn how to play percussion doing an apprenticeship there in the park. Live with a feeling of, 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 of young folks trying to get somewhere. Um, we were all trying to get to somewhere else, uh, out, of, out of Chelsea for the most part. Them niggas ain't playing. Them niggas ain't playing. Them niggas ain't playing. Them niggas ain't playing. Let us agree that the blow must be struck. And let us agree what type of blow must be struck. And at uh, whom the blow should be struck. And then those who don't go along with that strike, we can struck them first. In the second half of the 1960s, the atmosphere in Harlem was revolution. It was about 
trying to create change, raising levels of consciousness. It was cool to be black and proud at that time. The word black was new. We, we had just gotten over Negro and colored <laughs> and decided we could, call, we could all call ourselves black and, 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 and agree on that. The black arts movement was the impetus for a lot of different artist groups to emerge and to uh, uh, come come to exist come into existence in a in a period when we were just having a field day with our blackness. It was a time of Malcolm X, it was a time of uh uh Dr. King's controversial attitude about about how things needed to be done in the South. Uh, all these things were we're starting to be brought to you live on your living room television during dinner. Well, the black arts movement was a movement of poets and visual artists and dancers and, and musicians who had decided that we were going to use our art as a major weapon to attack the oppressive system. Our movement aims to give Afro-Americans a sense of purpose. We aim at a world revolution of black and colored rising against former slave masters. Gil, he's practically you know, a teenager, you know, when this is happening, but he's assimilating, you know, the the politics and the form. And at the same time, you know, he's developing his craft as a musician as well, you know, I mean, as a pianist, as a songwriter. I got ready to go to college. I was looking for some place that I could help to, to, that would help me develop as a writer. Lincoln University was one of the universities that just seemed to magnetize many brothers and sisters who wanted to think. Langston Hughes and Melvin Tolson and and Thurgood Marshall and Kwame Nkrumah, among others, had been had been students at Lincoln University. From river to river, uptown and down. There's liable to be confusion when a dream gets kicked around. You talk like they don't kick dreams around downtown. I expect they do, but I'm talking about Harlem to you. I went to Lincoln University for one reason, Langston Hughes. He was a renaissance man. He wrote songs, he wrote poetry, he wrote columns, he wrote essays and... As a writer myself, I, I knew that you couldn't use just one form and get every idea across. At Lincoln, I did meet some incredible, incredible people, and one of them, one of them was Gil, and I felt, I felt like, okay, well, I, I met my likes in youth. A rat done bit my sister Nell with Whitey on the moon. Her face and arms began to swell, and Whitey's on the moon. I can't pay no doctor bills. But Whitey's on the moon. Ten years from now, I'll be paying still while Whitey's on the moon. I first met Gil at Lincoln University um, as a freshman. And uh, I was working with a guy named Victor Brown. Victor introduced me to Gil while Gil was playing in one of the rooms. And Gil was working on, on some of his songs. Brian was, was, was looking in on us one day, watching what we were doing. And I was thinking, man, this guy writes great songs. We talked for a little while. Brian said he had written some compositions, some, some music. That, they, that he felt might might work well with some some lyrics. So I sat down to play a couple of things, and it was just like that. It just kind of clicked. 
Victor Brown was trying, wanting to put a band together. And uh, the name of the group was Back and Blues. We had so many people that we used to love to listen to. Al Green, Isaac Hayes, uh, the whole Watch Stacks thing, Otis Redding, Jimi Hendrix, Aretha Franklin. We would also listen to uh, John Coltrane. You're looking for an individual voice when you play. You want something that you can identify immediately as, as theirs. Uh, there are a lot of, lot, lot of saxophone players and a lot of singers. and You, you, you recognize John Coltrane immediately. You recognize Billy Holiday immediately. You, you, you like to feel as though the musician puts some of, their, some of themselves and some of their individual talent into a particular song or idea, and, and you get that with Coltrane. My father was the first black player for Celtic, uh, probably the first black player in Scotland. They referred to him as the Black Arrow. He scored a goal, the first goal, the first, first game he played over there. I think that might have saved his life, ain't no telling. <laughs> our grandparents that gave us the foundation. Who will pay reparations on my soul? to our common ground, speaking truth to power and ourselves. The Black Voice Collaborative at TruthWorks Network. Tuesdays, A Heart for My People with Dr. Deborah Napier. Thursdays, Fearless Mother with Denise Bowles. And on Friday, it's India Declare After Dark Real, raw, and right now. On Saturday, it's just damn radio with Alpha of the Alpha Show. TruthWorks Network at Blog Talk Radio. It's the Black Voice Collaborative. For the TruthWorks programming schedule, go to truthworks.ning.com. Thank you so much for being with us tonight as we pay tribute to Geronimo Gijaga. 
fearless, fearless liberation warrior. And Gil Scott Herring, liberation extraordinaire. Alpha, when I listened to, I mean, when I when when I was in the day, there was nobody like Gil Scott Herring. Well, Gil Scott Herring, uh, you're right. You know, I've seen him perform on several occasions, and you know, the, you know, his voice was so was so uh, prominent. It, it, it rang. I mean, it just you you walked and wondered, does he really need a microphone? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how strong of a voice the man has. Mhm, mhm. Um, our number is three four seven eight three eight nine eight five two. If you'd like to uh, bring your comments, uh, we're reaching out. We're going to go out to our phones at three four seven eight three eight nine eight five two as we pay tribute to Geronimo Gijaga and Gil Scott Herring, and we make note of the transitioning of Natsuki Elelo, Albertina Suzulu, who transitioned on June 2nd, warrior sister, and essentially the father of the black Afro-Brazilian, the Afro-Brazilian political movement of Brazil, a famous Brazilian writer, scholar, and politician who passed this week, Abdias do Nascimento, uh, the Malcolm X of Brazil. Our number, 347-838-9852. Later on in this program, we're going to also be looking at the significance of black music uh, as a tool of liberation support. We'd like to hear from you. Uh, For those of you who are just joining us, we have recommended Last Man Standing, The Tragedy and Triumph of Geronimo Pratt um, for your reading, um, if you'd like to know more about Geronimo Pratt. We also suggest that if you want to know more about the life of Gil Scott Herring, the obituary and the tribute made to him in the guardian.couk, www.guardian.couk, um, in their... 2011 Music Season Edition, they have provided a very comprehensive obituary of our dear brother, Gil Scott Herring. I'm Janice Graham, and Alpho is my our host. We're going to go out to our phones. Alpho 972, you're on the air. I respect you. Thank you for joining us tonight. Hello, Janice. I respect you, and thank you for taking my phone call. Thank you, you, Sarah, for joining us. Good, thank you. I've heard you roaring on the Alpha show this afternoon. Well, thank you, Janice. I was looking forward to hearing you cut in today, but I didn't hear you, so I guess you had all the things that you were getting ready to do for tonight. (laughs) 
No, I was listening. I, I try to stay out of Alpho's business. He doesn't try to stay out of mine, but I try to stay out of his business. <laughs> well, yeah, Alpha wasn't yeah, well yeah. formed today. I'm surprised he didn't blow a gasket. But, <laughs> but um, on a serious note, um, Janice, um, with Mr. Nascimento, you know, I, I had um to be quite. I almost forgot about that brother until Skip Gates did um, Blacks in Latin America. Did y'all get a chance to see that series? You know, I have recorded it, but I haven't seen it. Uh, I want to see it on um, uh, on recording. Uh, okay. But my my grandchildren thoroughly enjoyed it. Even the yes, nine-year-old. I, I did. Um, for those of you who it's still out there, you can pull it up on PBS. You can go online and you can pull it up and you can watch the different series. Mm-hmm, but it was mm-hmm. so profound what this brother was trying to do down there in Brazil. And he he lived he lived a very ripe old age, but unfortunately he did not get accomplished all of the things that he wanted to get done. Mm-hmm, far mm-hmm. as well, with, I'm part, sorry, part Janet, of the problem is that the American media, most people don't know very much about him because the American media mm-hmm. does not respect people the of color. international nature of anti-racism work. Correct. You are very correct. Which is, which doesn't, shouldn't, shouldn't befuddle any of us. Mm-hmm. Because you they don't respect the anti-racism work that's going on in this country. Uh, a, a good note, Sarah, because one of the things we're going to talk about, if we can get to it, if not, I'm going to be doing a special on Monday night on TruthWorks Network about the U.S. boycott of the U.N. Conference on Global Racism on Durban 3 on Monday night at 10 p.m. The whole hour to it as well as uh, Mrs. Sisulu and all of the others who have um, transitioned out of here. We are losing our giants. And which is, you know, this is this is very sad. What I heard about Brother Pratt, as well as um, Gil Scott Heron, because these these people they left out of here in their sixties. They did not even. And what really hurts me with um, Brother Pratt is that this man only got to spend like thirteen years out of incarceration. He got to finally, which I'm glad that he got a chance to get married, start a family, and at least he died in the motherland. He didn't. He didn't get. Mm-hmm. He didn't die in this land of the enslavers of his ancestors. So mm-hmm. I can take mm-hmm. comfort in those two things. But well, still, you know, uh, I have a house guest. What my beloved, very best friend for many, many, many years uh, is the director of a program uh, that does work with men who perpetrate sexual violence against women, and she's located in uh, Goma in the Congo, in the the Republic of the Congo. They say it's a democratic republic, but we don't think so. And she's here visiting with me for a month and a half, and and she went into Tanzania about two days before she came into Boston, and one of the people she went to visit was Geronimo Gijaga. And she was so excited about going back. She's going to be leaving 
uh, and going back. She's in the Dominican Republic now, um, uh, on her, uh, doing some some work and visiting with her family, and she's going to be going back. And of course, I am always very very fretful about her safety yes. in the Congo and traveling through the country and traveling between uh, the Congo and Rwanda and Tanzania. And uh, I have been there with her, and it is no picnic to choose to do this work. And Brother Jajaga is working in building a community in Tanzania, and one of the things that he's doing is community organizing. Or that Janet, was um, your callers out there, there's a, there's a, um, a documentary that was made by some European-Americans that made it on Brother Pratt as well as one of the, I think it was one of the officers for the Kansas City chapter of the Black Panther Party that also had to um, immigrate to to, um, Tanzania because the FBI was after him. He decided he wasn't going to come back. And the two Uh of them, it's on PBS. So if if they get a chance, please pull up that documentary and take a look at that brother and his wife from Kansas City. The name slipped me. I cannot think of the name. But it was Uh through that brother, that brother Pratt, made the transition to Tanzania um, um, to move down there because his brother has uh-huh. been living out there uh-huh. since back in the 70s where he was falsely accused and, of crime, and he left the United States and went to Tanzania. And another former Black Panther Party member uh, who was very active with um, Geronimo, Aaron Dixon, out of Seattle. Mm-hmm. He was the chair of the, the party in Seattle. He is also moving to Tanzania in the fall because they cannot come from under the surveillance, the very aggressive surveillance of the FBI. And people need to know this. People need to know that COINTELPRO is so active today. Yep, you're right. You do need to know that. It, it, it has never went away. It just took a different shape and a right. different form. But it, it, it's always been out there. That's why these so-called we don't. That's why we don't have black leaders anymore. We have leading blacks. To quote Dr. Um, Julia here, because everybody has taken their um their thirty pieces of silver, put on their three-piece suit and dressed themselves up, and decided they don't want to take a bullet for anything. All they want to do is to compromise and make their money and give nice speeches and move on. So that's the state of condition in 2011 for black people in these, um, this United States of America. Well, okay, Janice, continue on with your program. I'm going to listen up to the rest of it. I'm not going to tie you up too much because you have, I know you have very limited time. Alpha, stay awake. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Sarah. You're welcome. Y'all well, have a good night. I'll listen to the rest of the show. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you for your, your soldiering. You know, one of the things that um, we definitely have to be on top of is understanding how these things work in our lives, Uh, whether it be in Philadelphia, whether it be in Los Angeles, San Francisco. uh, It does not go away. You're listening to Our Common Ground at Blog Talk Radio. Our number is 347-838-9852, and we have paid tribute 
to to some very significant, I can't tell you how significant the voice of Albertina Suzulu has been in the struggle for free, global struggle for freedom. The voice of Abdias do Nascimento in the Afro-Brazilian political world. Gil Scott Herring, who has been a voice that expressed views on politics and culture in a way, in a pioneering way, uh, that we will always remember and have a sense of joyous, rhythmic exuberance about our experience. And our fallen soldier, Geronimo Jijaga, who many know him as Geronimo Pratt. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to be talking about the significance of music in our lives. Stay with us. Our number, 347-838-9852, and we'll be talking about Gil Scott Heron and Geronimo Gijaga when we come back, as well as music in our lives with you. A rat done bit my sister Nell with Whitey on the moon. Her face and arms began to swell and Whitey's on the moon. I can't pay no doctor bills, but Whitey's on the moon. Ten years from now, I'll be paying still while Whitey's on the moon. You know, the man just up my rent last night because Whitey's on the moon. No hot water, no toilets, no lights, but Whitey's on the moon. I wonder why he's up in me because Whitey's on the moon. Well, I was already giving him 50 a week, and now Whitey's on the moon. Taxes taking my whole damn check. The junkies make me a nervous wreck. The price of food is going up. And as if all that crap wasn't enough, a rat done bit my sister Nell with Whitey on the moon. Her face and arms began to swell, and Whitey's on the moon. With all that money I made last year for Whitey on the moon, how come I ain't got no money here? Mm, Whitey's on the moon. You know, I just about had my bill. You know that the ice cream scoop can make a child smile, and that by slowing us down, the traffic light can keep us going. You know that the lawnmower makes life easier, that the blood bank makes life possible. But did you know all these ideas came from the minds of African Americans? Support the United Negro College Fund, because a mind is a terrible thing to waste. Visit uncf.org or call 1-800-332-UNCF. Brought to you by UNCF and the Ad Council. Just like the city that stagger on the coastline And a nation that just can't stand much more Like the forest buried beneath the highway Never had a chance to grow Never had a chance to grow And now it's winter Winter in America 
thank you for being with us as well, and thanks to our caller, uh, Brother Brock from Philadelphia, PA, and Sarah from out there in Texas. Sometimes I get confused where Sarah was moving from and to, uh, but I believe she is in Texas. Alpho uh, music has played such an important role throughout the civil rights movement, throughout slavery, throughout Jim Crow, throughout um, every aspect of this journey that we have um, been involved in, been part of, been at the end of uh, in this country. And June is Music History Month, and I want to give us an idea about the kind of contribution, but also the kind of uh, support network that music has played. Uh, For those of you who are out there, one of the things I want to ask you to do is to call us and tell us what what are your what's your top um, piece of music um, that you believe is was most empowering to our struggle for freedom, our struggle for uh, liberation, black empowerment um in your lifetime it could be 60s 70s 80s because it could be the bebop it could be the reggae it could be the hip hop it could be the rock, rhythm and blues it can be pop because alpha really music has kind of kept our feet to the fire on one hand and comforted us on the other hand okay I think of when I think of a special song that just you know of that era that I relate to. It's got to be B movie. You know, it's one of my favorites. By because, Gil, going right back to Gil Scott Heron, yeah. Because it, it 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 for what he said then, you can apply it now. That's that is right. Like the national anthem of. Future, past, and present. Mhm. Well, you know what my my song of all times, um, uh, the song that really kept me as an activist was this one. Now, everybody knows that song. Am I right? Of course. <laughs> Our number is 347-838-9852. We do want to remind you that on Wednesday night at 9 p.m., Elvin Dowling and Architects for Change will be joining the Truth Works Network lineup on Monday night at 10 p.m., we will be doing a special, an Our Common Ground special, uh, talking about the U.S. boycott of the U.N. Conference on Global Racism, Durban 3, right here 
at our common ground. Mother, mother, there's too many of you crying. Brother, 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 there's far too many of you dying. You know we've got to find a way to bring Leave this little testimony and go so 
told our story with music and so we will find some way of using music to me there is no other music that certainly has ever started in this country America that didn't come from black music. From rock and roll to everything else in this country, all started with black music. That's why blues is like, it carries a heavy load. Uh, Spirituals carries a heavy load. Soul carries a heavy load. They're looking for music to be deeper in content, deeper in meaning and purpose. It's everywhere. More than ever before, music is the soundtrack of our lives. As a man said, it certainly is the soundtrack of our lives. If it's Curtis Mayfield, Marvin Gaye, Gil Scott Heron, Donny Hathaway, Sam Cooke, Jerry Butler, um, uh, uh, I can't say Curtis Mayfield, Mayfield and 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 without. Saying it twice and Sam Cook and help me out here, Alpha. Oh, <laughs> because Shaka is absolutely right. For every t- every song, I can tell you, James right. Brown, um, um, The Temptations, the right. the um, <clears throat> the Spinners, whoever. Our music is so profound that I can tell you exactly where I was the first time I heard most of them. Exactly. Our number is 347-838-9852. We'd like to hear from you. You know, Janice, on our weekends here in Chicago, Sunday mornings, uh, Saturday evenings, we have uh, the late, great Richard Pegee. They still play the best music of your life. And then, of course, there's the world-renowned Herb Kent, and he still plays Dusty's. And Mar from, you know, I said B-Movie was the movie of blackness and revolution, but 
I can't, you know, they, it's kind of in a dead heat with Marvin Gaye's What's Going On. I think that Marvin Gaye's What's Going On is a is like the national anthem. And, and Isaac Hayes. Don't forget Isaac Hayes. Well, you're right. You're right. I mean, it is it is so, I mean, the, the music genre is just so rich with, you know, classics. I mean, utter classics. And I have like 300 songs on my uh, computer uh, media player. And it's, that's basically what they are. I've got, you know, some of the 80s and 90s contemporary music, you know, by Don Henley and, you know, Mike and the Mechanics and that kind of stuff. But nothing touches the, the, the music that I grew up with, the music that, you know, gives you that, ask, begs that question, where were you? Uh-huh, uh-huh. And don't forget, uh, um, let's see, in the chat room, um, Black Ice is saying James Brown had one of the most vociferous proclamations when he said, say it loud, I'm black and I'm proud. And war, what is it good for? Absolutely nothing. Sweet Honey in the Rock, uh, Roberta Flack. Um, I mean, we can go on and on and on. And it spoke to something about the richness of our history and how tuned in we were to our history. Listen to this for a minute, Alpha. Just bear with me because these are the bridges that have brought us safely across.
me in my funky foot. I just can't get no love. Money in my funky foot. I just can't get no love. I'm praying for a girl to be my own. Soon you said she's coming, but I don't believe a word. She said, One 
will pay reparations on my soul. to our common ground, speaking truth to power and ourselves. And Alpha, I don't think that there is any other people. And that that was just uh, uh, just a montage of sounds that we don't often think about or talk about, but you know, in our chat room, people are mentioning Curtis Blow, Sugar Hill Gang, Dead President, Rick James, Roy Ayers, Lou Rawls, Miles Davis, the OJs, and Bill Withers, and John Coltrane, and I have to say Clifford Brown, and Nancy Wilson, and Sarah Vaughn, and Nina Simone. We go on and on and on. And each Saturday night throughout the month of June, we'll be bringing you more uh, music. It's uh, Blog Talk Radio really isn't a, a good venue to in, in to, to really enjoy uh, being able to mix up music. But um, I did want to uh, bring in uh, Black Music uh, Month with some thoughts about how the role that music has played in our lives. We've only got a little bit of time, and I do want to tell you, we invite you to join us in the premiere show of Architects for Change um, on Wednesday night at 9 p.m. at TruthWorks Network. We hope that you will will join Elvin Dowling, the change coach uh, on TruthWorks Network, 9 p.m., I'll be there and hope that you will be there as well. Another shout-out to Imani Janice and her graduation from high school on Wednesday coming up. And to remind you that you can enroll in the Global African Presence online workshop being hosted July 1st through July 3rd by Dr. Runoko Rashidi, you will never be able to have another education like that. And we certainly 
want to mention once again our fallen warriors. And thank you for joining us in tribute to each of them, Gil Scott Herring, Albertina Suzulu, Geronimo Jujiga, and, of course, Abdias Do Nascimento, the Afro-Brazilian struggle soldier. Thank you for being with us, Alfo. Thank you for being with us. I hope that um, you all have a very good weekend. One of the things that I do want to recommend for your reading this week is an article which appears in American Thinker. Uh, You can, (coughs) excuse me, it is Barack Obama and the Betrayal of Black America, and you can go to, it's written um, um, by, um, damn, what is that man's name? Okima. And you can go to the American Thinker uh, for that article. I'll be posting it in our um, in our chat room as we close out the show. Thank you so much for being with us, Alpho. Thank you once again for holding up the the are you holding up the right side or the left side? You know I can't hold up nothing right. You know <laughs> <laughs> We gotta hold get it. out of here, Alpho. Um Thanks. we hope that the ancestors receive in great celebration the souls and presence of our newest fallen liberation soldiers. Thank you for being with us. We'll see you on Monday night in a special. Well, I think, you know, well, I think, you know, another edition of Our Common Ground. Liberation. Justice. Speaking truth to power and ourselves. I'm Janice Graham. See you next week.
rivers of my father Carry me home Please carry me home 